I'm sitting here with my good friend, Sharon Soliday, who just talked to us about her case study of Maria. Thank you for doing that, Sharon. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> um, so I, of course, have heard some of this story before, but uh, it was good to hear it again in sort of thinking about it clinically. And then um, I also got, I didn't know all the speed dating stuff, so I was excited to hear all of that. Yeah. I'm really glad I'm not personally speed dating. <laughs> oh my word! Are <laughs> I think I would be more devastated than she was when no one picked my name. I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> well, yeah, and I think I'd like I I don't think I would handle that situation well at all. I my sort of social anxiety disorder would just <laughs> totally manifest itself and. I think, yeah, I think it would be a bad scene. So that's actually one of the things I was going to ask you. Like, did you ever think about just talking to her about like, this maybe isn't a great fit for you? Well, you know, we did talk, but we do talk about that. And uh, she doesn't, she's not dependent on it, but she's also smart enough, I think, to recognize, you know, I'm not going to rule something out. Uh, right, one of the right. things that she has had the most success with, because again, she's bright and can identify that, um, is actually going to uh, like various meetups that happen around town for things that she's interested in. And mm -hmm. so she can uh, go and attend the meetup and see what's going on and engage. And it's people that share an interest. She goes, I feel like I do a good job then of narrowing the field to, you know, likely. And, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, and it gives me, um, in some respects, it's harder because there's so many social things to monitor in that kind of an environment that she struggles. And uh, but, you know, she's really trying to keep herself open to the different ways people meet each other, which I give her credit. Right. I, I definitely don't think all her eggs should be put into the basket of speed dating. The speed but, dating basket. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid anybody, all of oh. anybody's eggs are in that basket. Absolutely. I Yeah, it just, it sounds horrific to me. Yeah, it does. It does. And I, I've only seen that like on TV. I haven't been in a bar and done speed dating. And I actually approached some of my uh, now single friends and younger friends and said, uh, someone's got to like describe to me. So before I go into this appointment with a client to talk about speed dating, like what really happens from your perspective? And <laughs> yeah. Know, they yeah. they were like it's weird and hard and probably worthwhile every now and then and i'm like okay and so it took some education on my behalf just to learn socially kind of what's happening because some of them here here are things i learned kelly some of them <laughs> <Please> share sharon <laughs> so some of them you, there's like a social component before people sit down to speed date and so everybody's right. sort of milling about in the group and maybe had some conversation and then some of them have the same social piece after the speed dating so people have an opportunity to kind of mingle oh. um after you've met everyone and see kind of maybe somebody uh chooses to come over and chat with you again that's a pretty good indication sure you know, sure they might be interested in you. So we talked about sort of the different pieces of it. And thank God, at least the one she goes to, she doesn't have to rotate seats because I thought, oh, that's going to be a whole nother transition oh and issue to deal with. Yeah. And oh, also simultaneously, what she has to manage is you have to take notes on these people. So you have to take notes after you have a chit chat for five minutes 
And like rate well, who yes, you want. Yes. And, oh. but simultaneously, someone else is coming over to sit down. And so there's so much in terms of being polite. You want to welcome someone, but you want to finish your notes so it makes sense to you later. And, you know, that that's hard enough. If she had to physically get up and move seat to seat, I don't know that. I don't know that it would happen. No, it's, uh-uh. it's, it's just too much. Right, right. I mean, that's a lot for somebody who's neurotypical to manage. Right, and right. It's just, oh, yeah. See, I feel a little anxious right now just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so. But one of my, I like the big takeaways about this. I love this story because um, I'm somebody who you know did adult stuff in. Uh, grad school, but I haven't done anything really ever since. And really, I think these stories are so important because they show us the sort of end game and the progression. And so when I was listening to you, I just kept writing down foundational, 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 like, you know, you talk about figurative language, like, okay, how many gazillions of times have I written a figurative language goal and we're working on idioms and I'm like, oh my gosh, who cares? But okay, there you go. Lean it or uh, walk to the door. Like that's figurative oh. language. And and so to really think about and proximity, right? Like, right. okay, so proximity in kindergarten means you are not like all up in somebody's oh. business all the time. Right. But what does that it, that's important. We talk about not being in somebody's business in kindergarten because when you are going on a date or yeah. whatever, you, you know, I, I just think it's really important for whichever age range you work with to see how it looks on either side. Oh, absolutely. And if anything, it's really reinforced what I used to teach at the high school, but also taught me, because I think you have to have that. Right. You have to have those, you know, because every now and then she'll look at me funny when I'll say, you know, I'm notorious for saying, well, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> she right, looks right, at right. me like, huh? um, what has that got to do with dating? And I'm like, okay, my apologies. And I have to apologize a lot, I feel, in these <laughs> environments, but it's humbling and that's good for me. But um, at the same time, for example, strategies I taught at high school, like when somebody was getting cut off. I would tell people, it's okay. I would tell kids, it's okay to say, I need a minute. I need a minute to process that. Mm -hmm. You know, we call that self-advocating and that's really good. Okay. In adult life, if you're at a meetup and someone tells a joke and you (laughs) don't get it to to stand there and say, I need a minute to process that. Right. And then start laughing a minute later. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I said, that is not... That's not good. And she made it very clear because I suggested an adolescent strategy like that. And she looked at me and she says, <laughs> she goes, maybe you don't know. And this was sweet because she really thought she was teaching me. And I just thought I'm an idiot. But she goes, maybe you don't know. But when I say to someone, uh, I need a minute to process, they're going to project all sorts of disability on me. Like I, sure. <laughs> she right. goes, I'm going to look. Like I'm impaired and right. like I'm slow and, you know, and I'm not. I just need to learn these rules. That's kind of how she thinks of it. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I can't imagine saying to someone on a date, can you just give me a minute to process that? Right. I mean, that's just like, ugh. 
Right, That's right. That's not and good. There's so much stuff like that. Like, how do you, I mean, what do you think? What's your advice for clinicians, let's say it, well, I mean, almost any level, like, but particularly high school level, what's your advice based on this experience? I think, I think it's important to realize that what we're teaching is really important. And at the high school, in terms of advocacy and having that self-awareness and how you fit into an environment or and how you're presenting an environment, because I think, you know, it probably takes our kids four years to just take that away. Oh, yeah. But if you can take that away, I think that's huge. And then if you want to learn more as you get older, because even at 18, when they graduate, neurotypical kids don't have their stuff together, really. Oh, my gosh. You know, those those quality dates that you really care about happen in your mid-20s, you know, sure. and mm-hmm. late 20s. And so um, that's when hopefully there's been enough practice on both sides of the table where right. you can know how to apply some of what you learned and generalize in different ways. So I think what we do is really important at the high school. But with that said, you cannot have an expectation that that's how – they will function as adults and use those same strategies. I think it's okay in a work setting to say, I need just a minute to process what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, you're all over the place. But you can't say that in a social setting. I mean, you look odd unless you're with really good friends who are very aware of what your needs are. And then it's still a little odd in that. And so what she's done to compensate, here's a great strategy that I've also taught adolescents that I think you could also teach and successfully teach adults is that are sometimes if she knows like she's in a group somebody uh she's doing something and she misses her turn or you know it's supposed to you know and they'll say hey you know you know pay attention like Uh she'll instead of saying I'm having trouble visually tracking the game or, you know, know, something like this. She'll say, you know, oh, sorry, I'm just, I didn't get a lot of great sleep last night. You know, she'll she'll compensate with these, you know, I'm feeling just a little spacey that, you know, really anyone at the table could say, and that's our litmus test is could anybody at the table say that and it not be weird? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so she, I don't think you can say that every round, you know, but I (laughs) And that will buy you time to, because uh, we all do that. I mean, I've been in conversations with very dear friends, and all of a sudden, I'm contemplating my washing, and they'll be like, "Hello, you know? Yeah. Did you and hear so, me? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. What are we talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so um, that is not uh, that's not a distractor, but you have to learn with that. And we teach some adolescents that skill, but with that, you can't be dependent on that skill alone. Yeah. And I love what you just said. I love that rule of like, could somebody else say this and not look like a weirdo? Right. Um, And that's, that is sort of the ultimate test. And I, you know, what, another thing that I was thinking when you were talking is just how, I mean, it's remarkable that she sought help and um, sought it from a speech pathologist and, you know, maybe talking, especially you know, with our high schoolers who are getting ready to finish up that, you know, that they can seek out kind of social coaching throughout their lifespan. Um, 
because it, it just at every it seems like at every turn there's another like like she said like oh huh, it's another set of rules it's another yeah I think that that kind of um you know when you said that other people say I can't believe you were talking about this I mean who else is going to talk about this with somebody well that's what I the last thing I really wanted to clarify because I have had a couple of people say why in the world would this be in the domain of a speech pathologist Sharon are you really in the scope of practice for what you should be doing and I look at them <laughs> I'm like, clearly you don't understand what I do because could she go to like just a communication coach and get the same tips? I would argue that she might get similar information, but what I bring to the table and what anybody in my profession brings to the table is the ability to recognize how information is breaking down for her right. and how right. to, yeah, and how to scaffold that because I, I could see, I, and I think that is a very valuable piece of information that I have an understanding of what autism is. I have an understanding of how dependent some might be on visual cues. I have an understanding of all the different variables that are going to be screwing them up. And that when we're sitting at that table and she's laying, presenting, leaning in, <laughs> that, you know, I think a communication coach might just say, okay, you need to sit up straight. Right. But I'm the one to say, why are you doing that? And how is it breaking down? And right. she then has to learn like, oh, okay, well, I've read you lean in, but now I know you have to also lean out. She goes, why doesn't anybody lean out? <laughs> tell you to lean out. I love that. Yeah. Line. It's Cheryl Sandberg's new book, Lean Out. Right. right exactly. <laughs> lean in and then you lean out. Yeah. Exactly. But that piece of, that's the, the disability level understanding and, um, and the therapeutic understanding of how to remediate those sorts of deficits. Absolutely. Uh, that's where I think, I mean, I just can't see anybody else. And, and when you were talking, I was like, okay, who else, who else is going to pick up the ball here? Like, right. I can't, like you said, a communication coach, maybe, and maybe, you know, clearly there is, it's entirely possible. There's a communication coach out there that has a really nuanced understanding of, uh, social skills as far as how they relate to people with ASD. But I don't, I just don't, and maybe like a psychologist. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But again, it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing to think about, you know, as far as our scope of practice. Absolutely. Cause she doesn't want to do talk therapy. She doesn't want to just be told what to do. She wants to understand how she's presenting and where it breaks down and the rules she can learn to fix it right? and how she can then apply it to other settings. So I think there's a definite role there. And I probably, you know, have to thank some clinician that she had in her past that she felt she learned a great deal from because that's who she then turned to as an adult. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. So, that's a very good point. So the last thing, the last little thing I wanted to talk about, of course, uh, because as you know, one of my things is social media and um, I think about it a lot as it relates especially to this population mm -hmm. and the online dating piece, like I haven't thought about that. I think a lot about, okay, what's your digital footprint? What are you putting on Facebook? What are you putting on Twitter? How it right. lasts forever? I mean, I think a lot about that, but again, 
taking that next step, looking at the next stage in life, you know, right. your online dating. And we were talking about her leaning in. I thought, oh my gosh, the profile pictures alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, and she talks about how she struggled with the profile picture. And I think what's unique to, though is that with all the struggles she has had in terms of trying to figure out what's best for her online dating profile, it's made her really aware of when other people are getting it wrong. Because oh, she'll right. like, did yeah. you see that profile? Oh, you should not do that profile picture. You know, <laughs> this, And I think, uh, you know, she's... Uh, she's aware of the jargon that people use online, you know, and she's, and we really, I don't know if we spent enough time talking about that, uh, in, with adolescents, you know, your whole line, how do you present someone online? And frankly, it's, there are people, a lot of people in the world that will strictly be meeting online and end up in serious relationships. So how do you present and how do you control that? And, and she actually likes, uh, the opportunity to, you know, to get a message, pause, reflect, she can do all her processing. Oh, totally. Craft a message. I mean, I guess that's neurotypical. You know, everybody likes that. The chance to be thoughtful about what you're going to say versus sometimes in the moment, you're like, I like cats. (laughs) 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 You don't want to necessarily blurt that out. So, um, I, I think, at the same time, ironically, at the same time, uh, she there's a sadness within her that the community has moved away from talking on the phone because mm. she feels she really had uh, she really could be more thoughtful about everything she shared, you know, and what was out sure. there. But now she goes, people just have to Google me and they know my whole life. And, you know, they they just have access to so much. And she's like, I regret that, you know, that's the way the world is now. And so I, I think that's good. And she also told me, which, you know, I didn't grow up dating in the internet age that, uh, she's like, Oh yeah. Any guy I'm going to go. Cause you got to <laughs> Google them, man. She goes, you have to Google them. And I'm like, really? And she just looks at me like I'm a crazy lady. But she said, yeah, it's a safety issue. And I thought, wow, you know, I haven't worked in the classroom in several years. But if I went back working with adolescents in the classroom, I would definitely add that to my safety discussion. Oh, it's, that, yeah. You You're know, speaking my language because yeah. I think we are not talking enough about this. Like, oh, yeah. and it's our own you know, our own stuff gets tied up in it. I'm not, you know, I, the number of times I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to talk about Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I, I'm like, you know what? This is not about you. This right. is about what our kids have to navigate. Right. And when, when uh, you're not, when you don't know and you're, you're not teaching them those things, like you need to Google somebody and also you will be Googled. I mean, it's the two-way street of there's your employer, your, your future partners, your, I mean, every, I Google everybody. (laughs) I I meet somebody, I'm like, oh, what are they? I Google them. I look them up on Facebook. I, yeah, I cyber stalk everybody that I meet. Um, Well, you're clearly not alone because, you know, (laughs) she said that is, you know, how, and, you know, she one of the things we're working on is, uh, and I don't know if I'm 
sharing too much in terms of your time just going on. So feel free to cut me off. But uh, one of the things she shared that I was like, yeah, I think you might be reading too much into that. Like she's like, okay, so I met this guy and meet up. I liked him. We exchanged like full names and uh, information and it seemed pleasant. So I'm going to go on, on Facebook and like friend him. And if he friends me back, then I know he likes me. Oh, my and gosh. I, I'm like, I don't know if that's accurate. I said, you know, I'm not a Facebook connoisseur, but <laughs> I think there are a whole bunch of people that just are, love having 5,000 friends. And so I don't know that it means he likes you. And she's like, well, I think it's a positive reaction. I said, yeah, but I don't know how much weight to give to that. She goes, well, then... If they not only friend me, but then like comment to me, hey, you know, like shout out. It's great to be Facebook friends, I right. guess. You know, she like puts that at a higher weight. So I really feel like listening to her and how she's had to really analyze and she analyzes a lot, but how she manages uh, all of this online perception of like this means this and this it's means huge. this level of interest huge. yeah that i just looked at her and i said you know what I, I think i'm out of my depth there i go i can't speak to that as being true or not i can give you my gut impression right well right <laughs> but, you know i said the hard part is because nobody in school even with neurotypical kids talks about you know what does it mean when you friend someone what does it mean when you right i mean we'll tell them if you send a naked photo you know, this is, it doesn't even necessarily mean they like you, they're using you, you know, we'll right. get to that level. So we, I feel like we have these extreme discussions, totally, totally. but we don't have that minutia and that nuance that, oh God, I don't know if society as a whole has figured that out. So no, I don't think, I, I, I don't think that they have. And, uh, I, well, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's fascinating. Um, but okay, well, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. Just, you know, for the sake of people listening to us drone on and yeah. on. It's great when you have your own podcast because you yeah. can just talk about whatever you want for as long as you want. <laughs> well, you do a great job, Kelly. I always enjoy Aww. listening to your guests and nice. I learn a great deal. So it's I a fun thing. I appreciate that I could share, you know, my little window onto the world with this unique population. So yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing. And I, of course, will harangue you into doing it again on something else fascinating <laughs> okay well take Thanks, care Sharon. thank you take Bye. care bye-bye